0: Hello, I'm Dr. David Johnson, professor of medicine and chief of gastroenterology at Eastern Virginia Medical School in Norfolk, Virginia. Well, we all see cirrhotics in the clinic, and we certainly are concerned about screening for hepatocellular carcinoma. And it's very pragmatic at this point to review new guidelines that were just issued by the American Association of Study of Liver Diseases, the ASLD, in the January 2018 issue of hepatology now it's important i'm not a transplant hepatologist but i deal with these patients all the time as you do in your practice so i think it's very important to understand what the new recommendations are i'm going to focus on 10 questions that they used in an evidence-based approach and i'm going to give you promise 10 short answers as to what you should be doing in your practice now recognize hepatocellular carcinoma is an incredibly common disease It's the fifth leading tumor, at least by the World Health Organization in the world, and second leading cause of cancer-related death. In the U.S., it accounts for approximately greater than 39,000 new cases a year and 27,000-plus related deaths. And this is clearly, by 2016 criteria, At least the evaluation suggests that this is going to continue to rise until at least 2030. So this problem is not going away. Now, why is that? Well, it's around cirrhosis. The majority of hepatocellular carcinomas occur in patients that are cirrhotic. 85 to 95% of the hepatocellular carcinomas occur in cirrhotic patients. The exception to the rule being hepatitis B, where they clearly don't need to be cirrhotic. Now, the incidence of of hepatocellular carcinoma in patients with cirrhosis that I quote my patients is 2 to 4% per year. Hence the recommendation that we should screen these people because early screening or appropriate screening may lead to early diagnosis and appropriate interventions, hopefully for a cure. Let's focus on the 10 questions that this evidence-based analysis and recommendations looked at. They used the graded system for their recommendations, grading the strength of evidence, and then the the strength of the, the support of the recommendation. So the first question is, should patients, adults in particular with cirrhosis, undergo surveillance for hepatocellular carcinoma? And the answer was yes, categorically. But if so, which surveillance test was best? The resounding influences is inferences that ultrasound is still the best test. It's cheap, relatively, and with or with not, without the combination of the alpha-fetoprotein. This has come in and out of the ASLD guidelines in the past, but nonetheless, this recommendation stands, at least ultrasound. The guidance of recommendation, the range should be every four to eight months. We use routinely six. And if you choose to couple that with alpha-fetoprotein, that's fine, but not a strong recommendation. Second question, should adults with cirrhosis and suspected hepatocellular carcinoma undergo diagnostic evaluation by multiphasic CT or the multiphasic MR? And the data on this is fairly mixed. There may be a little marginal data biased towards MR on smaller lesions in particular, but this group from the evidence that was available suggested that both were equivocal. Recognize that there are now clear-cut criteria for defining hepatocellular carcinoma by the radiologic imaging. So the LIRADS, or the Liver Imaging and Radiologic Diagnostic System, has been very evidence-based developed, and they will provide the radiology level of confirmation with a degree of certainty. So the, I, the LIRAD gra, uh, guidance leads actually transplants now without the biopsy diagnosis of a proven hepatocellular carcinoma. So hepatocellular carcinoma diagnosed by a multiphasic CT or MRI, which one do you do? They say there's no difference. There are some variable differences as it relates to repetitive radiation exposure, obviously with CT, it's a lot more available. MRI is a lot more expensive. There may be issues of claustrophobia, patients that have large volume ascites uh, that, that have movement issues during their uh, positioning in the, in the MRI. Again, these things are potentially reasons for to choose one versus the other, but the evidence suggests that we could use either at this point third question is, should uh, adults with cirrhosis and an intermediate or indeterminate nodule be uh, uh, biopsied? Recognize that this could be a biopsy or repeat imaging or alternative imaging. And the answer for the the current guideline was all three were acceptable. Recognize this is a difference from what previous ASLD guidelines said, that all biopsies, uh, all intermediate indeterminate nodules should be biopsied. So again, here they're saying that you should consider these things, but clearly not biopsy every individual indeterminate nodule. And again, a lot of these, the majority of them are benign. And again, subsequent to potentially sampling bias, repeat uh, imaging by uh, another alternative may be the best course of action or at least consider all three as viable options under evidence-based new recommendations. Fourth question is, if patients are relatively healthy, so a child's acerotic and they now have early stage hepatocellular carcinoma, so T1 or T2, recognize the diagnosis now for these lesions begins at a 10 millimeter or greater by radiologic CT or MRI diagnostic criteria. T1 lesions are lesions then that Potentially are referred to transplant center, T2 lesions are now the threshold for transplant evaluation. So, a T2 lesion means by radiologic imaging at two centimeters or greater, or two to three lesions that are one to three centimeters. So, again, recognize we have multiplicity or larger than two centimeters. So, what do we do with these early stage of T1 lesions that are less than two centimeters? Well, the recommendation is is that if you're going to do something and you want to have an intervention that's non-transplant, resection versus local regional therapy, resection still in the viable candidate and a good surgeon is really the, the course of action. But recognize that T2 lesions are really the indication now for transplant. So the fifth question is, should patients with cirrhosis and hepatocellular carcinoma that's been resected now or ablated successfully, undergo adjuvant therapy or not, and the answer here was probably not, and the recommendation again was somewhat conditional, weak recommendation, but based on histology and radiologic imaging, Broad's recommendation is not, these patients need not be have an adjuvant therapy. This sixth question was a really important one. Should adults with cirrhosis awaiting liver transplant, remember now you have to be two centimeters or greater, so now you're a T1 lesion, less than that, should they be treated or undergo observation? And the answer was you can't treat these people because if you do, you may take them out of the transplant window. So observation is really the best course of action. These people, again, close concert with the transplant center, being ready to transplant these people when they hit that threshold. And again, something that uh, may shake up a lot of people when they say, you've got a cancer, we need to wait and watch this. That really may be somewhat disconcerting, but you need to understand that's what gets them into the transplant window. Seventh question is, should those with cirrhosis awaiting transplant, now T2 lesion, so they've qualified for transplant, undergo transplant alone, or transplant with bridging therapy. So bridging therapy means local regional uh, therapy that would be an adjuvant. And this is a recommendation that, yes, the bridging therapy, provided the patients are, are, are a good candidate for this and you have good expertise, is recommended because you don't want them to progress and perhaps migrate out of the transplant window. In fact, if the transplant window may be a longer extended period of time, depending on where the transplant center is, yes, you should consider bridging therapy. Eighth question is, should those people with liver transplantation evaluation that now are beyond the Milan criteria, so now they're a T3 lesion, so again, beyond that five sonometer rule, be transplanted following downstaging? And the answer here was yes, they should be considered for transplant once they've been downstaged. So again, weak recommendation, conditional evidence, Again, something that needs to be driven by the transplant center, but important that you understand when you converse with your patients. Ninth question is, is the patients that have cirrhosis and now hepatocellular carcinoma and advanced, more advanced lesions, so a T2 or T3, but no vascular involvement, who are not candidates for resection or transplantation, should they undergo treatment with transar- uh, transarterial chemoembolization or radioembolization or external radiation? The answer was Yes. The answer is if you have those available, those would be reasonable things to offer. The, The recommendation was that they could not pick one over the other. And again, that would be something that's substantive to your local expertise. And the final is in the patients that are child's A and B cirrhosis with advanced, so now more advanced hepatocellular carcinoma with evidence of macrovascular involvement, and and or metastatic disease, should these people be treated with systemic or local regional therapies or no therapy? And the answer was treat them, but they have to be good candidates. So they've gotta be an A or maybe a B with good qualified kind of functional criteria. We don't treat the advanced patients. And again, this is something that needs to be taken into an individual case-by-case basis. So 10 evidence-based focused questions evidence-based recommendations, recognize that most of these are at least weak evidence and conditional recommendations based on strength. But nonetheless, that's where we are in our conversations with our patients. We need to understand this as we communicate with our transplant centers, but even more so as we start to look at screening these people and, and continuing screening and looking at how we manage these patients, perhaps once the diagnosis of hepatocellular carcinoma is made. This uh, evidence-based guideline has been extremely helpful for me. So as a uh, um, non-transplant hepatologist, I've tried to put perspective in what I use in my clinical practice. Hopefully this will be helpful in yours. I'm Dr. David Johnson. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.